We just read last week how um, in the book of Revelation, how it says that every single knee shall bow. Everybody will shout out that Jesus is Lord. We, we read that scripture in Revelations 12, in, in, sorry, 5, excuse me, in our Bible study. And we were where they, they said, who is worthy to loose the seals of the book? And the, the elder said to, to John, after he was in tears and crying, he says, There's, we found one who's worthy. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. <laughs> Talking about this Jesus. And then what happens is we don't see actually a lion with a great mane looking so terribly frightening. What we actually see is the lamb that was slain. And I just love that. That he's both lion and he's a lamb. He's both at the same time. If you were looking for your eyes confirmation of what the lion would look like, there's no one who's looking for a lamb. But I give God thanks for the lamb because it is with the lamb that he overcome this world. It is with the lamb that we overcome the sin and debt that we have. It is the lamb that is slain. That, and that's what the song says, worthy is the lamb that was slain for us. Son of God and man, you are high and lifted up. We lift your name up high. That's why this morning, when every song comes on, I'm jumping on my feet and giving thanks because he's worthy. Amen? Isn't he just worthy? Isn't he just worthy? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm in a rejoicing mood today. I'm in a grateful and a thankful mood today. I'm in a mood of thanksgiving and worship today. The songs we said, the last song said, Amen. Just Amen. Sometimes I don't have really the words to articulate how much I'm giving thanks. And sometimes I just have to say, Amen, or Hallelujah, or I give you praise, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And he's worthy of the praise. All right, thank you, Lord Jesus. Let me get into this word of God here. Take your seats, please take your seats. Let me get into this word of God. When we get into this word, when we get into this word, amen. Thank you, Jesus. But no, I'm rejoicing with you in the God of my salvation. I'm rejoicing with you in the God of my salvation. I want to read a scripture um, into your hearing. Um, I've been looking at this scripture for a few weeks now, and I want to share it with you today. It is in St. John chapter 8 and verse 31. I'm gonna, you know, one of the things I want to dispel, um, we often think about Jesus, and I love thinking about Jesus at every single stage of his ministry, even prior to, prior to his ministry and following his ministry, I think about who Jesus is and what he was communicating to us. But one of the things that I wanna make sure that we understand is Jesus wasn't always, um, <laughs> he wasn't always in a manger. Babies are inoffensive to, no, no one finds babies offensive. We love babies. There's not a, even dictators. The worst dictator you find in history is looking for photo ops with babies. They all love them. We've got no problem with babies. What we have problem with is when the baby grows up, right? It becomes a fully formed human being with all his opinions, right? That child who would say yes to anything you said when they were little now has an opinion and we've got to deal with them as a fully formed human being. They have all these opinions that we didn't give them. 
<laughs> they have all these ideas that we didn't get. We've got to deal with them, not just, and I think the world sometimes gets confused with who Jesus is. They love him at Christmas <laughs> because he's still a baby. And he's not offering you anything other than just being a baby. But I want to confront, I want to be in relationship with the adult, fully formed, in ministry, with words to say that are sometimes confrontational. <laughs> and I want us to, don't want us to shy away from the idea, I'm not trying to make you make trouble with people, that's not what I'm trying to say. But I am trying to say sometimes that truth needs us to stand where the truth is, even when it's not popular. Like sometimes, Jesus said things that got people annoyed, very, very annoyed. They would get annoyed with him because he was saying things that didn't quite connect with them. And, and it's this idea of truth that really gets people uh, wound up. Today, we have this saying, and I just, don't really, I just don't really like it that much, but I'll tell you what the saying is. I'm just gonna live my truth. I'm just going to do my thing, right? And it's an interesting saying. I think I understand why people want to say it. They want to be their authentic, true self. But really what they're actually saying is I'm going to live my feelings the way I want to live my feelings. And they're not really talking about truth as much as they're talking about feelings. They want to live their authentic feelings. Sometimes that doesn't work very well. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody get angry. They're living their authentic feelings, but sometimes that situationally isn't great. What I'm more interested in than feelings is the truth. And for us who are the called, us who are the church, the truth is in Christ's words. And I wanted to share a scripture where Jesus gets, shall we say, confrontational with people, even the ones who absolutely believed him. <laughs> and so I'm not asking you necessarily to be confrontational with people who don't believe Jesus. They're gonna get to Christ, Christ when they're ready. The problem really gets when we all get closer to Jesus and some of us think we're close and some of us actually aren't as close as we would think. Let's go to St. John, chapter 8, verse 30. I'm going to start at verse 30 so you can get the context. St. John, chapter 8, verse 30. I'm going to read a little bit here. I'm going to be reading back and forth in here and jumping around scriptures here, so please excuse me here. St. John, chapter 8, verse 30 reads this. As he spake these words... Many believed on him. He's been speaking this whole chapter, right? And I'm jumping in right here. He's been talking about the fact that um, he's in fact one with the Father. He and the Father are one. He's been talking about this for a while. That's controversial, right? He's going to hit people right in their, in their belief systems where they're sitting right now. This guy is one with the Father? How is that possible? And some people have heard what he said and believed great progress but what does Jesus do with this progress that has just been made then we get to verse 31 then said Jesus to these those Jews which believed on him if you if you continue in my word then are ye my disciples indeed they've believed right but he's challenged them to go a little bit step further they've heard his words <laughs> they've seen the signs, they recognize he's in fact the Son of God. They've seen the signs, they recognize him. They like his message. <laughs> they like what he's saying. They like the people, they've seen the people he's delivered. 
And Jesus is saying, okay, you believe, but I'm asking you to do a little bit more. Verse 31, then Jesus said, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, remember who he's talking to now, he's not talking to Sadducees, the Pharisees, the people who are not believing, he's talking to the ones who actually believed him. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. (laughs) He's saying to them, your belief isn't quite enough for me to call you a genuine disciple. He's not asking you just simply to believe, but he's asking you to continue or hold, hold on to my word. I want you to hold on to this word that I'm giving you. You're believing me right now, but I want you to, when I leave your presence, to hold on to the word so that you become my disciples. Lots of people will hear the word even agree with the word and won't hold on to it or continue in it at all. See what I'm saying? I'm not really talking to people out there. I'm talking to us. I've got to really get on to us. So here he says, verse 32, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. This is an interesting moment here because he's saying first you need to continue in my word you need to hold on to my word and because you hold on to my word you will know the truth and then the last part of that is once you know the truth the truth will set you free and I would challenge for a second that people want to know him without doing what he said first that's the first step he says like we want to to know everything there is without doing what he said so the first step he's supposed to do what he says in doing you will know who he is and then when you know who he is that will set you free like most people we are impatient we want to get to the free part and there's two steps we're missing doing and knowing All you want to know and not do. I know people who can quote scripture better than me, better than Minister Flagg. They have studied it with the greatest of detail with, and can teach it. They have a great mechanism for teaching it, but they're not doing it, which means they can't really know it in a way that's gonna set them free. There's no shortcutting this. He was deliberate. He actually confronted people who said, yep, you must be the son of God. He's literally not talking to the Pharisees now. He's not challenging them. They're just doing what they do. They're protecting their political power. He's not worried about them. And he's looking at the people who actually said, yep, he he might be the one to set us all free. And he's looked them dead in the face and said, you actually aren't right yet. You're almost there. You're almost there, but you've got to turn your knowledge into doing first. And sometimes I think we want to get more knowing, but really what we need to be is about the doing. (laughs) That's where the real challenge of scripture is. Like I can encourage you to read every day and and I will, and I love that idea. But unless that's translating into something you're actually doing, it's not actually as effective as you think. 
we have a couple of teachers here, and, and I was thinking about this idea this morning. You, you may, uh, I don't know if at your grade you do this, but you, you've probably had opportunities where you've set tests for kids, right? And you need to check how well they're doing, right? And you, in your mind, you may know the answers. You, you've set them 10 questions, and you'll know it's multiple choice questions, and you'll say A is the answer to the first question, C is the answer to the next one. D, B, A, B, B, C, A, B, B. That's the, that's the, if you do that, you'll pass the test, right? But if you don't know what the answers are, the literal underlying answers are, if all you know is A, B, B, A, B, C, C, A, B, A, you can pass, but you don't know what you're doing. Like, that's what we are with Christ. We're like, we, we know the answers, but we're not doing any of the answers. And so if somebody else tests you, it's like, you don't know any of this material. You knew the answers to that test, but you're not doing any of the things within that test. <laughs> That's what sometimes people, our relationship with the Bible is for many people is, oh, I got the answers to the test. And the Lord's saying, start doing. And you have to worry about what ABBABA is because you will know because of your doing. And once you know because of your doing, yes. you're going to be free. Yes, 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 yes. So it doesn't matter what test, what the next test is next week, if it's on the same topic, I, I've been doing this. You could change up the lexicon at the end. It could be B, 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 all the way down to the bottom. I'm going to get the answers right because I know I've been doing at the start. You could change up all the answers. I'm going to be ready no matter what it is. And the problem with many of us in church, not out in the world, is that we are learning things, but not doing things. And what's confusing when we learn the things like that, is that as soon as the situation changes just a little bit, we are completely lost. Last week we, were got, we learned a lesson maybe that um, when my cousin's in need, I can pray for them. Right? If we do the things correctly, we'll know that if our sister or brother's in the same situation, we'll pray too. But if you just know, you'll be lost with the new situation. We need to do first. Let me keep going here. Verse 31, it says, Then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, if you hold to my word, if you do my word, then, only then, are ye my disciples. And ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Look what happens in response to this. This is one of the things that is difficult for people to understand when they're confronted by a truth that kind of doesn't sit well with you. We get defensive. We get def naturally defensive. We say to ourselves, um, I know, I know for a fact that I'm doing, I'm okay. Like when we're confronted by a truth in scripture, Really what we tend to do is saying, well, this is what I was taught. <laughs> okay, okay. Let, let's look at what verse 33 says. They answered him, they answered to Jesus, we are Abraham's seed. They're trying to bring their qualifications to bear. And we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, he, ye shall be made free? First of all, this is actually not correct. They're telling him, because we are Abraham's seed, we've never been in bondage. But I just remember a year ago or so, we learned a whole bunch about Exodus, 
where literally they were in bondage in Egypt, but yet somehow, first of all, it's not correct to your own history, but it's amazing how they've immediately become defensive. One second ago, two verses ago, and he spake these words, many believed on him. They literally, three verses ago, have said, I believe that you are the one. And immediately as soon as Jesus asks them to do, all of a sudden, they stop believing, they're challenging his words back. This happens to us all the time with, with the word of God. It's difficult sometimes to realize that some of the things that we think we are our truths aren't his truth. And it's important that we understand his truth rather than ours. And I say about our truth, ours is the, our feelings. They may very well be real, but it is not the truth of God. The truth is here. So let me keep going. And it says here in verse 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. <laughs> they answered him saying, we are Abraham's seed. Qualifications, we are never in bondage, not true, to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. <laughs> Here he goes in now, he's not, he's not pulling punches. Like the, the, the baby Jesus, that you want to be non-offensive, that you want to be kind to everybody. I'm saying he's not being kind because sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had a child almost hurt themselves and you have to be forceful in letting them know that that's dangerous, that's hot, that's, you could fall off of that. You wanna make sure that they don't go back over there and you let them know with sternness. It's not out of a lack of love, it's with love, but you make sure that that's a wrong thing to do. This is where Jesus is right now with his people. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant, or this is actually more better translated as the slave of sin. You've got no choice. If you are a slave of sin, you're going to do what, the, what sin asks you to do. Some of the things that we assume to be truths are really just feelings, and we are slave to those feelings. <laughs> and we're saying this is my truth. No, it's your feelings, and you're slave to them right now. And Jesus is saying that you need to get yourself free of those feelings to understand what you're supposed to do so that you know the truth and that you can be free. Your feelings aren't making you free. It is doing the word of God that is going to make you free. Verse 33, they answered, um, verse 34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever. So if you're a slave to sin, that means any slave basically, he's basically saying here, is not a permanent part of the household. You, you can't be. If you're a servant or a slave, you're not a permanent part of the household. But the son abideth forever. The son of the house is a permanent part of the household. And because he's a permanent part of the household, he has authority. And this is where he's getting to in verse 30, in the next verse. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So he's described us in a way that he's described a house. And he's saying some of you are servants or slaves to sin, and as a result, you don't have a permanent place. But the Son has a permanent place, referring to himself. 
and he's saying because I have a permanent place, I can create a permanent place for you. But the only way you can have a permanent place if you are no longer a slave, which means you've got to be careful who you're serving, otherwise you have to do what sin says if that's who you're serving. And the servant abideth in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. This is the second time he's used this term, indeed. The first time was right at verse 31. Can we go back there? He says, if you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And now he's come back in this verse, <laughs> In verse 36, it says, if, that, if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free. Indeed. Definitely free. Assuredly free. <laughs> He's making sure you, to let you know that if you're stuck and you think that you are free, if you want to make sure you're free, do what the Son does. And you will be free indeed. And that makes me think, actually, there's some of us that have assumed we've been free this whole time. <laughs> we've assumed we've been free, but we haven't been doing his word. And I'm challenging us to do his word so that we can know him, so that we can be free indeed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. While I'm getting ready to my next verse, if you can find St. John chapter 14, 15 for me, I'm going to go there just for a moment. John, John 14, 15, verse 15. If you love me, yeah. keep my commandments. Now, for those of us who are in relationship with folks, um, you know that there is a, a written and an unwritten negotiation between two people who decide they want to be in relationship together. I'm not going to do the things that are going to frustrate my wife and vice versa if we intend to have a healthy relationship. So she may say to me, um, okay, when you finish work, I would love for you to be at the dinner table at 5 p.m. Now, if I decide to be at the dinner table at 6 p.m., I have to understand that I've broken the contract, right? And because I want a healthy relationship, I'm going to be at the table at 4.59, right? I want to be, I want a healthy relationship. So I'm going to do that. You say to you, oh, that's just easy, that's nothing. But if it's something that she wants, that seems reasonable to me. And you say to me, and Jesus is saying, if you love me, if you want to be in deep relationship with me, you're going to do what the contract said. Keep my commandments. Let's go to verse 21. What does it say, verse 21? He yeah. that has my Commandments. Yes. And keepeth there, keepeth there, he is he that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of the Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So Jesus is making this clear. For those who want to be in a loving relationship with me, the things that I've said, you should be doing them. I'm going to show I love you by dying on the cross and, and dying for your sins. I want you to show you love me by doing the things I say. That's the exchange. That's the exchange. He's already died on the cross. He's already, given, he's already done the things that he said he would do for us. The question is, what are we going to do for him? And the answer to that should be, I'm going to do what you command me to do. 
the things that you said you wanted me to do, that's what I'm going to do to show my love for you. Yes, sir. Amen. Even if that means I want to eat at 5.15, right? I'm going to be showing up at 4.59 because I want to have this love. I want to nurture the relationship. It's my authentic self to eat at 5.15. Not if I want to be in relationship, it's not. I hope you understand my point I'm making. Right? I want to, it's my desire to be who I am. Then I probably won't be eating this evening, is what it comes down to. <laughs> right? But the relationship, what the relationship requires, we invest into it because we want good outcomes from the relationship. That's just normal. That's regular. He did his thing for me, I'm going to do my thing for him. <laughs> Verse 23, please. Jesus answered and yep. said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we, we will come unto him and make our abode. <laughs> so now he's saying, now if you, if you love me, you keep my commandments, I'm going to come with you. So when, when, the, when we're talking from St. John 8, where he says, continue in my word, if we continue in our word, in his word, what the scripture's saying in chapter 14 is that he actually lives with you. Yes, 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 yes. That's why you can't skip step one. Because if you skip step one, he won't abide with you. <laughs> We're trying to skip and know the knowledge part and not the do part. And the Lord is saying, when you do the do part, I'm living with you. And my Father, the Eternal Father, lives with you. Thank you, Jesus. Read that again, please, 23. He that loveth me not, and I keep my saying, the word which I hear it is not mine, but the Father who hath sent me. Verse 24. Uh, yes, 24 as well. These things I have spoken unto you, being present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, is the Father who sent me is in my name. Will teach you all things. Thank you, Lord. And all things should be to be in remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Try tw do 23 and 24 again for me. And Jesus said unto him. 14? 23? 14, yes, sir. Okay. If Jesus said unto Jesus answered, said unto them, If a man love me, yes, that's right. my word, yes. and my father will love him, and will come unto him and make our abode with him. Yeah, verse 24, he that loveth me. And he that loveth me not keepeth keepeth my excuse me, he that loveth not keepeth my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father which has sent me. So Jesus is saying, if you don't love me, I can tell the ones who don't love me straight away. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's not because you believe me or not, but tells me you love me. There's a lot of people who believe him. Are you doing the things which I've said? That's how we are defining love for Christ. Many are saying, yeah, I believe on Jesus. Yes, he'd sound like a very nice man. He seemed like a very kind person. And then you're not doing what he says. <laughs> That's a tough one. This is, this is a tough scripture because he's challenging us to do more. Not challenging the world, not challenging the ones who don't believe. <laughs> he's challenging us who believe. If you're going to be in love with Christ, you have to do what he says. Ah, let me keep going because he's even more confrontational here. Verse, I'm going to go back. Thank you, sir. 
um, uh, verse 34, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I send you to you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant to sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Absolutely free. If you do my commandments and I'm abiding with you, you're not going to be enslaved because I'm not going to be enslaved. Jesus is saying, you can't be enslaved and have a free son in your heart being enslaved with you. Not possible. Because you can't enslave him. If you can't enslave him and he's abiding in you, neither of you are going to be bound. Both of you become free. He's inviting you to invite him in because the son is never bound. The son is always free. And you're saying, now I'm good. Why do you want to be bound? You know what I've realized? We sometimes hold on to things for too long. We hold on to frustration. We hold on to the past. And because we are holding on to that with so much energy, when something new comes along, we miss it. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen somebody carrying something and somebody throws it, tosses them a ball. They're so concerned with the thing they're carrying, they can't catch it. Right? Makes sense, carrying the thing. But now imagine the thing you're carrying isn't helping you at all. And now imagine it's trash you're carrying and somebody throws you a wad of money and you're so holding on to your trash that you can't, hold, you can't grab the thing that is valuable. And here the son is coming along and is giving you and saying, continue, hold on to my word. Instead, we're holding on to the trash, the past, the thing that we can't help us, the thing that's holding us back, the thing that's stopping our mobility, the thing that's stopping our blessing. We hold on to it. And sometimes it's just because of habit. We've been holding on to it for so long, we don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> and the Lord is saying, you're slave to that thing because you're holding on to it so hard. He's inviting you to let go of the thing that you are enslaved to and become free. Ah, I'm almost finished here. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. Um, if the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed. I know this. But ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. Oh, it's a tough one. He's basically saying, yep, I recognize your connection to Abraham. He was a great person. I recognize your connection to him and we have great connections to, to, to salvation through various mechanisms. But he's saying, even though I recognize it, if you're not in love with my word, if you're not holding to my word, that's the reason why we are in, in, an enemy to one another. I speak that which I have seen with my father and do that which ye have seen with your father. Oh, he's, getting, he's going... That's why I say, the, the Jesus, the baby Jesus thing, uh, this isn't that. He's saying here, I'm doing what my father, the father in heaven, is told me to do. You're doing what your father is telling you to do, and it's not the father I'm talking about. Right, let's keep reading. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. And he's saying you had a chance to do it right and you messed it up. And he goes further and he says, but now you seek to kill me, 
a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. Abraham didn't try to kill people who knew God's um, word. He says, but you're trying to do that. You do the deeds of your father. <laughs> then said they to him, we are not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, ye would love me. Oh, oh gosh, he's going in. He's going strong on them. And I think sometimes the truth needs us to do this. Like, <laughs> I, I want to be nice all the time, but sometimes nice is wrong. Like sometimes, and what I mean by that is sometimes avoiding telling people the truth is doing them no good whatsoever. Like if you see me um, driving in my car, and I've just got back from England, and I'm driving down the street on the wrong side of the, of the, the street, feel free to tell me. Like, I'm the one who's forgot that I'm not in England anymore and I'm driving on the wrong side of the street. I've done it before. Tell me immediately. Don't worry about my, my feelings being hurt. There's, there's more at stake than my feelings. Like, I need you to tell me that I'm doing, that my life is in danger. Like, that's way more important right now than my feelings. And sometimes it gets like that. Like, I'm not telling you not to do it with love, that we, we can do both. We can both tell the truth with love, but make sure people understand your life is in danger with this. Your relationship with the Lord is in danger. Let me keep reading and I'll get out of your way. It says, but now ye seek to kill me, a man hath told you the truth. You've even acknowledged it, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, we were born, not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, if God were your, your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. So he's saying, if you came of God, you would automatically love Jesus. And the way we've just described how we love Jesus is by doing his commandments. So Jesus is basically saying, if you, would do, if you loved God, you would be doing my commandments, which by definition means you actually don't love God. You've got to love him, not just believe on Jesus. You've got to do his commandments. Jesus, uh, why do you understand? Then he goes on to say, verse 43, why do you not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my words. They're hearing him, but they're not doing it. And they're doing it, but they're not hearing it. There seems to be some confusion, even though his words are perfectly clear. Jesus said, my words are clear, why aren't you understanding me? Then he, then he kind of breaks it down like this. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in truth, because there is no truth in him. Um, sorry, there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it, oh, he is making sure they know that if you're not going to follow Jesus' words, you actually are following the devil's words, right? So verse 45, and because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? He, and if I say the truth, why do you believe not? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. He's basically saying here, this is a, this is a tough one. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
But he's saying, you hear my words, you are hearing the Lord's words. If you love my words, just Jesus speaking, it's because you love God. When you do my words, it's because you love God. And I want a church that is in love with God. I just want a people of God who love God. And we're going to show that. <laughs> and you know, I love to, you know, I love to sing and worship and I love to play and I love to, but I'm going to show it by doing his word. I love to sing. I love to dance in the spirit and I love to, to give God thanks. But I'm going to show my love by doing his word. And in this church, you're going to see me bend over backwards to make sure we do the word, will of the Lord. You're going to see me trying to recreate his word in this church. Why? Because I love the Lord. I want to do his commandments and I want to do his will. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen.